This concludes our broadcast day. Good night, and God bless America. This is probably like November of 2020. Um, I had been writing a short story about like a heavyweight fighter failing to make, to make weight. Just like decided to write that. I thought it'd be fun. It ended up not being that good, but I was just thinking that as soon as I finished it, I realized that there wasn't really a platform, um, a, a literary magazine for martial arts. So like that really showcased martial arts work. I mean, there's some great sports lit mags out there as you, we both know, like the under review or uh, words and sports quarterly but there's nowhere that specifically for the martial arts and to me that just felt like kind of a gap in the market and so for about a month or so um i just kind of had the idea in mind that like it'd be really cool to do this but i wasn't really that intent on actually going for it just because as we already said i'm in grad school um, and it just didn't seem like i had the time or like the resources necessary to start my own lit mag and also i had no idea how to do it or like what i even need to do to get started but then I was talking with my girlfriend and she was, I was mentioning the idea to her and she was basically like, well, like, I mean, you already have the idea in mind and you know what you want to do. So you might as well just go for it. And this is probably like December, like mid December of 2021. Um, so I'd been sitting on it for a while and I was like, all right, like, screw it. Like, I'll just go ahead and do it. Um, bought the domain and then just kind of like looked online, like typed in on Google, like how to start a lit mag and just like <laughs> followed the steps. And uh, six months later, come out with the first issue so it's gone pretty well so far did you have like background in web design and anything like that no none at all um I, like i said i had no idea what i was doing and i'm a huge proponent of wordpress um like support chat because like literally anytime i'd have an issue with creating the website because i didn't know what i was doing the entire time i would just reach out to them and they were always super supportive and helpful so yeah I, I don't think i could have done it without wordpress support chat for sure yeah. yeah, that's funny you say that because I think that's like something, I, I don't know, I think people get hung up on the gaps in their knowledge when they want to start projects like this. Yeah. And they let that Absolutely. stop them because I, I mean, I know I've definitely done that, but there's so many tools now that if you want to start, you know, whether it be a literary magazine or, or website or whatever it is that you want to work on, there's so many tools that you can use to learn those things, you know, and you might not be, you know, the best at it. Like I have, I've done very, very little design work. Like I designed my logo. I think that's one of the most exciting things about like starting an internet project is you can kind of like learn in public. So there's a little bit of, um, absolutely. Yeah. There's like a little more pressure, which I think can be a good thing sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Like I think people underestimate the power of just Googling something. Like anytime <laughs> you have a question, if you just Google it, like eventually if you look hard enough, you're going to find an answer or at least like find a path to get to the answer that you're looking for. And, yeah. and then just being okay with, as you said, like it doesn't have to be perfect at first, but anything is a start. And then as you like progressively work on it, the more you work on it, the better you're going to get just like anything you're going to get better with practice. Yeah. So like eventually it's going to find its own way. 
Well, and you know, I think the magazine looks great. I love the Thank little, you. yeah, definitely. I love the little, um, the images of the people doing martial arts that go with each yeah. piece. And I loved the variety of the pieces <clears throat> that I read. Like I was, I was going over some this morning and I read a couple of the fiction pieces and I loved how like, you know, you had one that was kind of like a braided piece of fiction about different narratives and it, I mean it, it kind of reminded me of something that I could read in like a big time literary magazine and then you also had this story about this old man in the tree doing yeah tai chi which one. was yeah that was which is I don't know which kind of like bring to mind like you know classic martial arts films and things like that so was that something you were thinking about when you decided you wanted to do it that you wanted to kind of have like a broad range of like different you know, approaches to, to the theme of martial arts? Yeah, it's funny you ask that because to be honest, not really. I was thinking like what I had in mind when I decided to start the Lit Mag of like what the kind of work I was going to receive was similar to the piece that you had published in Words and Sports Quarterly where it was going to be like more like UFC, like MMA content, like sort of like think pieces and like personal essays and poetry about that or like specific mm -hmm. people. For whatever reason, I didn't really have in mind that uh, because the majority of submissions, I'd say the vast majority of submissions I received was people talking about their own martial arts practice. And as you saw in the piece, like it's a variety of different martial arts and there was an even greater variety in the total submissions I received, not just the ones I accepted. But yeah, I didn't really have in mind that it was going to be like a lot of Tai Chi or karate or Taekwondo or Judo. I kind of thought it would be more mixed martial arts stuff, which I'm really glad it ended up not being that because there's such a eclectic mix of different pieces on there and like that also brings about different backgrounds and different cultures which really gives the um magazine like a more cultured and well-rounded feel so I'm really grateful for that yeah definitely you know it's funny you, you say that too because I was just talking to my brother last week and I've been a pretty big mixed martial arts fan for like I don't know at this point it's probably around like 10 years wow. but um he has never been into like martial arts as a sport necessarily, but he loves like Kung Fu films and he's just like a dictionary of information when it comes to like martial arts movies. And mm -hmm. uh, we were talking about it and like, I realized that there's this whole other type of, of martial arts fan or, or connoisseur, whatever, you know, who maybe they're not that into like, the idea of, of competing themselves or like getting into the sport or watching the sport, but they love the idea of it or they love it as a practice. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really cool to see that kind of reflected in some of the work that you published. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, I'm very big on like martial, mixed martial arts specifically being like the next big sport. Like I see it in like 20 years, 50 years, like being the number one sport in the world. Mm -hmm. But I think I kind of forget at times that like there's still going to be a chunk, no matter how big martial arts or mixed martial arts gets, there's going to be a chunk of the population that like, as soon as they realize that this is cage fighting, like two people literally fighting in a cage, like modern day gladiator stuff, <laughs> um, that's going to turn them off from it. And so like, no matter how big MMA gets, like there's still going to be a portion of the audience that's turned away, but that's completely fine. Like no, like no sports going to um, capture the interest of an entire population. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think, Cause there is, that's the beautiful thing about martial arts. There's so many martial arts like Tai Chi, for example, where it isn't like you're fighting someone, like it doesn't have to be combat. And like, there doesn't have to be any risk of injury involved or inflicting injury on someone else. Um, but it's still a martial art and like the disciplines and 
just a lot of the core pillars um, remain the same. And that's like what's really valuable, I think. So um, tell me a little bit about your background with martial arts. I know that you practice Muay Thai. We talked a little bit about that um, over email. Um, how long have you been interested in it? And like, how long have you, excuse me, how long have you been practicing? Not very long. I started pretty much the, almost the exact same time I started clinch, actually. I started training Muay Thai. So this was December of 2021. And uh, I know, I know for a long time that I wanted to learn a martial art eventually probably like the last five years or so I knew I was going to do it eventually. Um, but I, I played baseball in college. And so that wasn't an option for me to do both at the same time. But my baseball career ended um, in May of 2021. And then, um, yeah, I sort of knew that I was going to do, I just wanted to do Muay Thai because I think the idea of like learning how to strike, especially like throwing elbows and knees was really appealing to me, just learning how to do it. Um, and so, yeah, I started like around the same time, November, December of 2021, I started looking up gyms near me and I found a really great one, Wooden Man Muay Thai, which is just a couple blocks away. Um, and Wooden Man, his name is Jung Sanan. He was a Muay Thai champion in his day, like a couple decades ago, like the late 20th century. And he runs a gym just like a couple blocks away from my house. And so I decided to go in there one day, like very end of December, 2021. And literally since that first day, like I've fallen in love with it. And now I go three days a week and I know eventually down the road at some point I want to compete, but I definitely don't want to like rush into that at all. Oh, totally. So you, you see yourself eventually competing. Yeah. Not like I would never consider like going pro or anything, but mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely see myself doing um, smokers eventually and maybe some amateur fights down the line for sure. That's awesome. I have a, a good friend who's uh, competes MMA professionally wow. and he, he was kind of like my, my intro into getting into watching MMA. But um, like I was mentioning to you, I just very, very recently started practicing Muay Thai. And um, I don't, I, I, you know, just having like watched him and like what he goes through, my friend uh, competing MMA, I'm not sure that I have the, honestly, just like the courage to compete. Yeah. You know, to, because it's almost like something that he, he and I have talked about a little bit is like, it's also in addition to like having the the skills to know what you're doing, there's also like a, almost a performance aspect to like doing it in front of other people. Absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah. Like you're um, really bearing your soul to the world. Like, and yeah, like, I mean, just the thought of like getting either like winning or losing, like the thought of getting knocked out, like in front of all these <laughs> fans, and like people, it's pretty, yeah. It takes so much courage. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, that's, that specifically is something I have so much admiration for, for people who are able to do it and then, you know, have grace in the face of that. Like, you know, like Tony Ferguson just got knocked out last weekend, broke my heart, or I guess two weekends ago now. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way that he's approached it in the time since, I think has just been so admirable, you know? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Kind but that's awesome. Honestly, too. Cause like, cause yeah. I remember the same thing about um, when Michael Chandler lost to Charles Oliveira it like took him only a couple of days to like get back in the media, which is so like honorable to me. And uh, just because, I mean, the vast majority of fighters and rightfully so, like they kind of want to take some time away and like reflect and kind of digest what happened to them. But yeah, the guys like Tony um, and Michael Chandler and all the guys and Dustin Poirier too, he does the same thing. They yeah. all are willing to talk to the media like a couple of days after, which is so impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I think I remember with Chandler, he was like <laughs> doing a video, I think the next week where he was breaking down exactly what happened yeah, with the loss. Yeah, I, I remember that. 
like yeah. it's crazy. Like a four days later, you yeah. can look at it, look at it so um, objectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's interesting because one of the things that I wanted to talk with you about was like, I think there's usually a distance between people who do um, like create, you know, creative writing, any kind of really artistic uh vocation and then people who are more like athletic i think there's like naturally some kind of idea that people have that there has to be like a distance between those two things Mm -hmm. but um i don't know i mean my experience the last couple years just having like first having just like really gotten serious about like taking care of myself physically and like working out and things like that Mm -hmm. and then recently with you know starting to practice muay thai I feel like it really helps my creative stuff. Yeah. And I was just wondering if you had thoughts about that. Yeah. I think I'm just a big proponent on like physical health being a direct reflection of your mental health. Like, I mean, cause I've had so many instances of like, if I'm writing in the morning and like, it's just not really going the way I want it to be going. And then I'll decide like, all right, like I'm going to go to the gym and work out. And there's just something about like being able to clear your mind and like, let your body focus on something else besides your art. Yeah. And like f- focus on your body and just let your mind kind of like work through issues and kind of solve problems subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you do that and you're able to clear and like focus on something else, then you come back to it later on in the day or the, even the next day, it's sort of just like a whole fresh slate. And yeah, there's, I think there's just such a, like your, your mental health and your physical health, they're always like in conversation with each other and um, bouncing off each other. Yeah. And so yeah, there's definitely a correlation there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so like you have a, a bath a background um doing athletic things you said you you did foot or i'm sorry baseball yeah baseball yeah so was that something you ever grappled with like the fact that you were interested in writing creative things then also more athletic stuff yeah absolutely um i honestly haven't been writing for that long i, I guess i'll just tell them like my, my story of how i got into writing so i was um I played baseball my entire life along with football until college. But then I went to university of San Francisco to play baseball there. And I was there for five years. Um, I didn't really do any creative writing at that point. I've I'd always enjoyed writing, but I never saw it as something like I'd want to do um, in my free time as a hobby, like just because my priority was baseball. And so this in 2020, um, it was my senior year on the baseball team. I was going to be done because like you get four years generally. And then in our final season, the pandemic happened and our season got canceled like a quarter of the way through, which like for me was devastating at first. I was like, oh my God, like my baseball career is over just like that. And uh, so I didn't really know what I was going to do. But eventually a couple of weeks later, the NCAA came back and said that they're going to grant everyone who had their season cut short an extra season, which meant that I could come back for a fifth year if I wanted to and play my fifth season for on the USF baseball again and like get to continue my career. And that was obviously appealing to me because I didn't like the idea that my career just like ended at the, as soon as COVID happened without me getting like, I hadn't come to terms with it yet and I wasn't really expecting it. So that, that was not ideal for me. Um, so I decided to take that fifth year and come back to USF and play baseball for another year, which meant that I had to join a grad program. And at that point I'd gotten a degree in marketing. Um, but that was just something that like I, like I had no passion for marketing really. It wasn't what I wanted to do with my life, but I just felt like that was kind of the course laid out for me, like something that I could do until I figured out what I really wanted to do with my life. 
and I was looking through USF's grad programs and I saw the writing program and I was like, oh, wow, like this, that would be a cool opportunity for me to just like try it out and see how it went. Um, and sure enough, like I applied, I got in and then within like a week or two of me starting the program, I was absolutely blown away and like it became my vocation and my love. And yeah, so that's kind of how that came to be. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And in I terms of um, the artistry element, I guess I never saw myself as an artist um, growing up, just because like you said, like there's sort of a disconnect between like the like jock stereotype and someone who's an artist, like you kind of assume those are two different things. But the, the more like you kind of think about like, cause I was a pitcher in baseball. And so there's so much like artistry and intricacy that comes into the art of pitching whether it's like the actual way your body moves or like the way that you're planning to get a hitter out, like the sequence of pitches you throw, the different pitches you throw, there's really so much artistry involved. And uh, mm. I guess I just didn't realize that art, that art and being an artist can be such a broad term until I sort of moved into the writing world. And I was like, Oh, so many of the principles that I learned from pitching and like playing a sport and having an athletic background, like that translates directly into my art now, which is really like an incredible feeling. That's awesome. What, like, can you say more about that? Like what specific things? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think just like a lot of the core pillars that you learn from being an athlete and like growing up as a part of a team, a sports team, like a team-based um, sport is like discipline. Like, I mean, I approach my writing practice the same way that I approach like getting better at a sport. Like I'll do it every single day, like dedicate time to it and just try to stay as disciplined as possible. Um, being committed to it. Like you got to do it every day, even when you feel like you don't want to, there's the element of like receiving criticism, I think, which can be a lot of, which can be really tough. Like it's definitely been harder for me to learn how to receive criticism for my art than it was like from a coach on the baseball field. But at the same time, it's essentially the same thing. Like you're receiving feedback from someone, like you're the one who's deciding whether it's constructive or not. Like any criticism can be constructed, constructive, um, as long as you're willing to like see it that way and yeah. willing to implement it. And yeah, there's just so much like intuitiveness that comes with pitching that also comes with writing. Like you kind of just have a sense, like you can kind of feel it in your body. Like when you're convicted to throwing a certain pitch in a certain count, um, you like your body knows it and like you can kind of sense it. What it might be subconscious, but you know, like whether it's the right thing to do. And if it's not the right thing to do and you still do it anyways, like generally that's when, the pitch ends up getting hit for a home run or ends up being like a ball when you need to throw a strike. Mm -hmm. And I find it's really similar to writing as well, where like, I mean, we're all, we're sitting here like trying to craft these words onto this blank page. And a lot of times you just like, nothing's coming. Like you don't really know what's coming. But for me, I find like whenever it's not coming, like that's what I'm trying to force the idea to come or like force the story. But as soon as I'm able to like take a deep breath, like maybe go work out, like I mentioned earlier, or just take a second and like pause, then generally like something comes to me that I'm going to write down. If it isn't the original idea that I have for the story, then so be it. But like something's going to come out. Yeah. And usually like the longer you're able to run with that, or if you just run with it at all, um, you're going to get something at the end. I've said on here before, I, it's a little weird to me when people talk about like a writing uh, routine, like they do things at the same time. Cause for me, that's, that's never been exactly how I work. Mm -hmm. That's changed a little bit recently, but, um, but with other stuff, I, I just feel like it can be so, good like you said not only for your, for your mental health but also for like 
just that flow, like, like, yeah, you know, why am I forcing this idea and just like breaking up some of that tension. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I guess like, I've always been a super structured person. Like I always just like having structure to my life has always been really beneficial to me, regardless of what I'm doing, whether it's sports or writing. Yeah. And it's kind of just different strokes for different folks, I guess. Like I could totally see why having, cause I know a lot of people that like, they don't have any structure at all really to their writing practice. It's like, they just do it when they feel like they want to, Yeah, which is great. Like, I mean, art is so subjective. So like whatever works for someone works for them. Um, but yeah, definitely for me, like having structure and approaching it the same way I would approach like getting better at a sport or getting better at anything really just like taking the time, even when I don't want to do it, just like sitting down, making myself, um, that's been really beneficial for me just because like I know that I think it's like I could be wrong on this but like maybe like six weeks to two months if you like do something every day at the same time then it becomes a habit Mm. and you sort of just like your like your body's adjusted to like doing that every day at that time yeah so yeah I think just for me like using that approach to my writing has been really beneficial and I've definitely made it become a consistent habit whenever I hear people talk about things like this there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about like going easy on yourself and going slowly and taking your time. And I think all that stuff has value. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I also think that there's something like really powerful about exactly what you said of like, I'm going to do it every day, even if I don't feel like it. And yeah, um, yeah I mean, I just, I, I feel like that's something that with sports, that's, that's just a part of the culture, right? Like that's just part right. of what you do. And if people can take that and apply it to some of what they do with writing, I think that can be super helpful. Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, for me in the sports world, like, I mean, being on a collegiate sports team, like you don't really have a choice, but to do those things. Yeah. Like, Cause if I didn't like, obviously there's days I didn't want to get up and have 6am weights three days a week for five straight years. But I didn't, <laughs> like, if I wanted to be on this team and like compete and play baseball with my best friends every day, then like, I didn't have a choice. Yeah. And so I think just like that in itself became a habit, like doing things, even when you don't necessarily want to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I was able to transfer that over into my writing practice, like pretty immediately, um, and seamlessly. So yeah, that's definitely been beneficial for me, but yeah, like you said, like, it's not, not what works for me isn't going to necessarily work for someone else. Um, but yeah, I do agree that like having, at least for me, having structure has been, has worked out so far and it's going to continue to work out in the long run. I think. I also really liked what you said about like artistry showing up in things that aren't necessarily just like writing a story or like painting or something Mm -hmm. like that you know there's all these things that exist outside of you know literal art practices that are artistic in their own ways and require those same types of this you know discipline or technique or whatever it is and um yeah I don't know I think I just I think I think that can be really good for people too. If you can find like an interest that you have outside of whatever it is that you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess people who are listening to this show, it's probably writing, but like, if you can have something outside of that, I think that there's, there's a lot of benefit in that too. Yeah. And going back to the martial arts thing, I think martial arts is an incredible example of that because I mean, it's called martial arts. So obviously it's an art form, but I think for a lot of people, especially when they're watching like UFC on TV or any other kind of like combat sport, like if you're kind of a casual fan or someone who like doesn't really watch it that often, like it just seems like two people trying to beat the crap out of each other <laughs> locked in a cage. But then the more you watch it and you start to become acquainted with disciplines like Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, then like you're actually able to like see, like when you're watching it on UFC, 
on TV, like UFC on TV, then you can see like when, like what these practices are doing, like instead of people just like being on the ground flailing about, like you're seeing that they're actually like trying to submit with like really intricate and detailed and high level, like world-class jujitsu. And the more that you're able to realize that like these people have been working all their lives for this and it's so high level, um, it isn't like, it, there really is such an art to it. And they're like, it's, they're competing at such an insane level. It's kind of hard for anyone who isn't, not isn't a practitioner because you can, but just like, isn't a casual fan or like casual watcher to really realize that. And yeah, I think just turning, cause I'm trying to like get my girlfriend turned on to UFC too, just so like I have someone to watch it with. Yeah, totally. um, and that's been kind of the big issue. Like, cause she's really against seeing like blood and guts. And like literally the first fight mm -hmm. we watched together was like, it was uh, Joel Alvarez versus Armin Sarukian like a oh, couple yeah. months ago in February. And it was literally like, as soon as she got to my apartment, it was on and it was like, absolute bloodbath and that's like the last thing that she wants to see and so like that kind of turned her off from the sport for a while but I'm like slowly trying to wean her back into it by like watching some of like the greatest female fights mm -hmm. um I can't do Joanna versus Wei Li because that's another like bloodbath <laughs> and what happened to Joanna's forehead like that isn't what she's trying to see either but brutal like Amanda Nunez and Valentina Shevchenko fights um yeah so just generally like trying to get her to like realize that there is an art to martial arts that it isn't just like two people fighting with like fighting to the death there with like no technique or anything involved yeah definitely that that is definitely i think a struggle of any mma fan like getting your getting your partner interested in it as well yeah my uh my wife i think got interested in the way that you're talking about because like i have a picture of uh valentina shevchenko here because i find her i think she's incredible i think yeah. she's such yeah, I think she's just such an inspirational person. And yeah. um, I think for my wife, it was like really, really cool to see such a powerful woman, like just dominating her division and, and being so good at what she does. And now, mm. you know, she'll, she'll like watch Valentina's Instagram videos <laughs> before wow. she, you know, before she like leaves in the morning to get like amped up for the day. And <laughs> I love that. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, you know, I think that's something else that is, is, great about mixed martial arts that people don't necessarily realize if they're more casual fans or if they've never watched it is there's like there's a lot of incredible people inside of that world mm -hmm. um you know i think i think there's like a an idea that a lot of the personalities that exist i mean you know people think of like conor mcgregor or like the the ronda rousey holly holm back john and jones. forth yeah john jones for yeah. sure but yeah i mean there's also valentina shevchenko's dustin poirier's um, I don't know if you watch the one championship, but like Rod Tengji yeah. Munyan, mm -hmm. yeah, he's incredible. And yeah, I mean, I think that can be like a, a cool intro for people if they find someone that they identify with and, and become a fan of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking that I wanted to have to watch the Thug Rose Carla Esparza fight with my girlfriend because I feel like Thug Rose is such a perfect example of that, like to be that kind of person. Like in a lot of ways, she kind of seems Ariel talks about this a lot on the MMA hour um, yeah. that she kind of seems like an every besides the shaved head like she seems like an everyday person that you're just going to meet on the street yeah. but then again she's like the best MMA fighter in the world in her weight class and uh, I mean glad I'm glad I didn't end up watching that fight with her because it was <laughs> a boring fight but still yeah like there's something like there's something really inspirational about these people especially because like the whole pay issue like these people 
unless you're at the very top, these people aren't getting paid any money at all. So they're really doing it because they love it and because they truly, truly believe in themselves and believe that they can be the best. And just the fact that we're watching them on, like they're on UFC, which is the premier organization in the world. Like they're like, those beliefs have clearly um, worked out for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is, I mean, that's super inspiring to see when people kind of like climb over the hump of the pay, the low pay that you have to endure, Mm -hmm. especially when you're in some of the beginner leagues and um yeah but yeah no i mean totally like that for me that's something else that's great about about sports is like i don't know it sounds weird but i think if you're like somebody who's really creative and you're into uh writing or whatever it is i don't know like sometimes it's almost like i think like we have a hard time just being a normal person you know because you spend mm-hmm. so much time in your own head and like yeah having something like that that you can practice or, or watch or whatever that's totally the opposite of like that you know super insular way of being in the world i think that can be yeah. just i think it's just be good for like learning how to be a person in the world you know yeah absolutely and just learning to like see other perspectives besides yours and like realizing that realizing that um same thing like different strokes for different folks like people there's so many like interests and hobbies that people can have in the world. And uh, yeah, just like learning, just like exposing yourself to new experiences. And uh, I think that definitely makes you a more worldly and well-rounded person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like, as far as your own writing, <clears throat> I read the two poems that you sent me and I really enjoyed them. Thank you. Um, yeah, I felt like there was kind of a, especially with your apple poem like it was the one this is the one that appeared in uh had i believe mm-hmm. yeah first of all it was really funny which thank you i always enjoy it in poetry because i mean i think sometimes poetry can be such like a navel gazy art form mm-hmm. and i mean i love that stuff too but like when a poem makes me laugh that's really cool and i kind of felt like well with the apple one especially like a conversational poem and then with both of them i guess just like a very you know, like, like normal way of looking at the world and just like being in the sure. world, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Is that something you think about with your writing or like, I guess what I'm curious about is how you approach the, the stuff that comes into your own work. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so far I've had three published pieces, two of them have been poems, um, but I definitely see myself as more of an essayist because like, honestly, the vast majority of writing that I do is essays. Um, but I mean, similar to the two poems you're mentioning, like those are like, those came about in the same way that most of my essays come about where like, I'm just like observing something in the world and uh, just being like, all right, like that'd be fun to write about or like feeling like I have an interesting perspective on something like, for example, the Apple, the Apple poem, um, that was just me like thinking like the thought came to me, like what would happen if I ate this sticker on my apple? And I like looked up online and saw that you could like eat, you could eat them and that their stickers are edible. And so I was like, oh, like, that'd be a fun thing to write about. And so like, it sat on my, like, I have a long list. I'm sure a bunch of writers do of like potential piece ideas. And then I was reading some David Sedaris um, story one day last summer. And I was like, I realized that that was like a similar format. So like I could write about this Apple stickers piece. And so, yeah, it just came out. And uh, I think right now, because I I still feel like I'm really new to like my own writing ability, because like, I've only been doing it for like, seriously for like less than two almost two years now but still less than two years 
and I'm still, and I wrote this a year ago. So that was like a year into my writing practice. And so I still feel like I'm very much like learning how to write and like learning what kind of writing I want to be doing. And yeah, I think it's almost like experimental in a way. And like, I'm just like, for example, that piece, like I just wanted to have fun with it and like wanted to create something that was fun and that would be fun to read. And I think that was, and it turned out luckily for me, like it turned out to, I think it's pretty fun to read and like just a fun experience to go through. And the idea of like not taking myself too seriously as a means of like learning how to write and like learning what kind of writing I want to be doing um, has been really beneficial to me. Cause honestly, like the kind of, I've definitely evolved. I don't want to say evolved away from that in my writing, but I don't do as much poetry anymore. Like that kind of writing I'm more like starting to go into deeper waters, I think, yeah. which is, I think a natural evolution for a writer to have, but there's still something really beneficial about taking some day. It's like, all right, like I'm just going to write a, silly poem about like nothing or like some like really random observation that I've had in the world and like just seeing what comes of that like just trying to keep things like childish and playful in a way there's definitely a benefit to that yeah yeah that's my favorite kind of poetry um have you do you know the writer Ron Paget by chance I don't think so you might you might dig his work it's kind of similar to what I read from you and he does a bit of like nonfiction stuff too but there's a have you know how to spell his last name yeah, I have it right. Let me grab it. This book actually, especially Ron Padgett. Okay. Yeah, I thought of this book when I was reading your poems. It's it's kind of just about him hanging out at a cabin and writing these. Some of them are funny, some of them are like silly, and then there's like an essay in the middle. But yeah, I mean, I love I love when I see stuff like that in poetry. And you said you you consider yourself more of an essayist. So is that uh, the genre that you're studying? Yeah, I'm a nonfiction. Um, my MFA genre is nonfiction. Yeah. Cool. So, um, how's the MFA experience been for you? I've loved it. I mean, like I said earlier, like I literally didn't write at all before I got into the MFA program, and pretty much right away, um, I fell in love with it and like became a writer. And yeah, I definitely wouldn't have found that avenue for me if I hadn't got into the MFA program. And I mean, especially at USF. USF's MFA program. Um, there's so many incredible teachers there that have been success that are successful writers in their own right, and that are super um, helpful when it comes to like finding one's own path in writing, like learning what to do, mm-hmm. what pieces they want to write, and like they're just very helpful and like are accessible for young writers to like ask them questions and uh, and just like it's such a I mean, my cohort is like super inclusive and they make sure that you have to take a class that's outside of your genre. And so last two semesters ago um, in the fall of 2021, I took a poetry workshop with D.A. Powell, who's like an acclaimed poet, um, really successful. And that's where like the Apple Stickers poem and Shallow in the other poem that I sent to you, um, both those pieces were written for that workshop and like were workshopped in that class. And so, um, yeah, like I literally like wouldn't have. And then the other publication I have, um, it's called The Pancake Mind Trials. It's an essay on the twin bill. It came from um, a workshop my very first semester at the MFA program. So like literally all my published work and all the work that I don't have published, like it's been a direct byproduct from my experience with the MFA program. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something I love about MFA programs is just, I mean, if nothing else, it's a great time to produce work that you can like, yeah get feedback on and get it published and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
So Leah, and I'm kind of interested to hear just a little more about like how doing Muay Thai, like if you see like the, cause you mentioned like having parallels between baseball and some of what you have learned in your creative writing program. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you're uh, noticing similar things with Muay Thai, cause <laughs> I had a, a tweet that I wrote out about a week ago and then I didn't send it. Cause I was like, this is too cheesy. I can't do it. But <laughs> I, I was, I had wrote out like, practicing a switch kick feels like learning about line breaks in poetry. Like, <laughs> I love that. It, it yeah, kind of, I can see that though. Yeah, it kind of felt similar to like, I don't know, like learning the mechanics of something that you see and like figuring out how they can, uh, just figuring out how it works. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, have you noticed like any crossover between the two practices? Yeah, I think so. And I think that example actually is a pretty apt one. Um, I think the idea, cause like, I feel like at this point I have, I mean, I've only been doing Muay Thai for six months, but a lot of the technique I learned from pitching applies pretty directly to a lot of Muay Thai technique. Um, like throwing a left cross in Muay Thai is like really similar to pitching, mm. to pitching a baseball um, and like kicking, like a lot of it's very similar. But, and so I think right now, like what I'm trying to learn in Muay Thai is like, aside from like learning how to evade getting hit and like head movement and all that kind of stuff, is learning like how to craft combos and like when to throw what um, combo when or like when to punch, when to elbow, when to kick, when to knee. Yeah. And yeah, I think a lot of that, maybe not quite as much about like the actual like writing, but I think when it comes to revising a piece, there's a lot of similarities with that because you're always like, I mean, for me, like my revision process is like, I'll write out a sentence a few times and then like, just do like small little switches and like see like where I want to order things like switch up the order and stuff and then just like pretty much go like sentence by sentence paragraph by paragraph piece or page by page doing that and I think there is kind of a similarity to like learning like the order in which you want to craft things and like your own specific cadence because like every Muay Thai fighter like has a different style and different technique and like they're going to have their own favorite combos or favorite ways they want to attack a fight or attack another fighter mm -hmm. and it's very individualized in writing as well like learning how to like your own voice and your own rhythm and cadence and like how you want to structure your own paragraphs like there's I think there's definitely an interesting similarity there nice yeah no that makes a lot of sense but it kind of it kind of reminds me of something I was thinking about when you were talking about noticing like artistic choices in sports like in things outside of writing because I remember I think it was I think I think it was Daniel Cormier saying something about like in fighting like there's standard practices like you have to learn the basics you have to like learn the, the fundamentals but then you get to make choices about like what kind of a fighter that you are yeah, yeah. and um that wasn't something I, I had thought about until I had started learning Muay Thai you know do I prefer do I like knees better than elbows do I like kicks better than a jab you know what I mean yeah um, absolutely yeah so it's it's interesting to see that like manifest as you're as you're learning these things yeah and that's yeah it's a really great example because there's so much to be said because like you can say that you want to be a specific kind of Muay Thai fighter mm -hmm. or a specific kind of writer like write a specific kind of thing but you don't really know whether that's like your natural style but like yeah. I can go out and say that I just want to knock someone out every fight, but like 
in reality, I'm a lot better at like kick, like low kicks or body kicks and like throwing elbows. And so like, there's something to be said for not like trying to force your own style and like kind of like learn your style naturally through like experience and like whether it's sparring in Muay Thai or just like going to more Muay Thai, Muay Thai trainings, like you're kind of going to figure out your own, like yourself, you're going to figure out yourself basically. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to writing. I think like you, you can try to force the kind of writing that you want to do or force a story. But at the end of the day, like as soon as you're able to stop and like think intuitively and like kind of let the thoughts come to you and let the story come to you, like your own, like the story that you're supposed to be telling rather than you want, you think you need to be telling then like that's kind of when at least for me like that's when the story as it should be written comes out onto the page yeah that makes so much sense and i think you have to try things to see what Mm -hmm. is natural for you yeah you know like for a long time when i was first starting to write i thought i was into writing like you know science fiction at first and then maybe like i don't know if you if you know the writer matt bell but i was i was a huge okay cool I was a huge fan of his and still am like a a huge fan of his work. And um, I would kind of try to do similar things to what he did. You know, like I heard a quote one time where somebody said like, you know, you have to try on a bunch of other people's voices before you find your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I had never thought of it that way, the way that you said it, like, you know, like letting yourself become the writer that you need to be or write the story that you need to write instead of trying to force it. I think that's a really good way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes the other way too. Because when I first got into writing in the MFA program, the like one thing that I felt like I knew for sure was that I did not want to write about baseball at all. Um, just because I feel like that's like, I'd been doing baseball my entire life. <laughs> and I just didn't want to like, the reason I got into writing was because like, I didn't want to really be doing baseball anymore necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so like, that was my one like stipulation. I was like, I'm not going to do any baseball writing. Like I want to be like not associated with that at all. And, like not even mention it. But then I realized like the more I got into the program, like pretty, pretty soon into it, um, that like that would that's my own unique perspective that I bring into this writing world and that like there's I mean not very many writers like also have a background playing a collegiate sport and so like that's something unique that I bring to the table and so I think just like learning to like don't resist like what some like your natural abilities are like something unique like your unique perspective that you have on the world like don't try to resist that and be as like willing to let that show in your work as you can I think there's something to be said for that yeah yeah no I totally agree I mean it's 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 hard though I think because yeah. you know like you, you're you're necessarily showing a part of yourself like that's super I don't know like it's yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. I mean like what you just said you know like the fact that you have a baseball background and that's so different from other people around you I mean I'm sure that that's something that can be you know nerve-wracking to write about yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think that's kind of the part, a part of it. Like, I mean, if I want to produce the best work that I can, then I have to, especially as a nonfiction writer, like you really have to get vulnerable and like be willing to bear yourself to the world. And uh, yeah, I'm right, right now I'm writing an essay collection about my time playing baseball at USF. And like, it's a lot of really vulnerable stuff in there. But at the end of the day, like that's, it's the best writing I've done so far. And I know it's going to really bear fruit in the long run because like as a reader, you're able to, um, I guess empathize in a way with like someone just like bearing their soul to the world because like showing vulnerability in any like no matter what art form you're choosing to partake in you're going to try to you're going to have to show a little bit of vulnerability like we talked about MMA earlier like 
if you're stepping into that octagon or into that cage, like you have to be okay with potentially getting knocked out in front of a massive audience or while the whole world's watching. Yeah. And the same goes with writing. The same goes with baseball. Like if you're like, I have to be okay. As soon as I step on that mound, like I might give up a home run on this next pitch and you're going to at times, like you're going to fail. And regardless of whatever art form it is, like in writing, like you're going to receive a lot of rejections, but as long as you're willing to roll with the punches, then it's going to eventually bear fruit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you know, like that, just to go back to similarities between these two different worlds, I think that's something that like as an athlete, you probably get used to more so than with the writing world, because I think yeah. a lot of times, like I'll, ha- I'll have conversations with people who I know are interested in writing, but they're, they don't have like an academic background and they probably can't afford to go to school or, or make time for it in their life or whatever. And it, I don't know, like a, a thing that I think is hard to tell people is like, it's probably going to be a long road, you yeah. know, like something Jesse Bender said to me a couple episodes ago was she was like, you know, it's, it's takes forever. Sometimes you like, you write a piece and you have to revise it for like five years before it's ready to mm-hmm. be out there in the world, you know? So that, I don't know, there's something about that, that like that, that willingness to keep working and, and not give up and, uh, you know, just, just let things happen in their own time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, I mean, the like Orwellian 10,000 hour, like I think about that mm-hmm. a lot necessarily that I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but like, there's something to be said for, it takes a lot of time to get really good at something and yeah, yeah you have to be okay with not being good at it at first. Like you're going to, you're going to write a lot of bad stories. You're going to write a lot of crappy sentences but the more you do it, like slowly over time, you're not even going to notice it as you're doing it because it's happening so slowly. Like eventually it's going to start getting better and better. Then you're going to look as long as you, like as if you keep returning to it every day and like keep trying and not give up on yourself and not getting too discouraged at the rejections you receive, eventually you're going to look back on everything that you've, or like the, how far you've come in whatever time you've come and be like, damn, like all that hard work really did pay off. Yeah, hundred percent. I, you know, I, the, the first time I went to, um, but my first Muay Thai class that I went to, I got back and my wife was like, how was it? And I was like, oh, it's humiliating. You know, like, it's yes. so embarrassing to like, yes. you know, have people like explaining something and I'm like, that's so basic. That's so basic to them. Like just yeah. like, when I first got into Muay Thai, like I had no idea. I've never kicked in my life. Like I have no idea how to kick. And yeah. it's like, like, that's literally like they've, these people's whole lives, like they've, kicked and so like they're just trying to teach something so basic to me but it, for me it seems so foreign yeah so, yeah like there's definitely like you have to it's another like another thing with vulnerability like you just have to be okay with like being the stupidest person in the room for a little while yes, yes totally and ah man I don't know if you maybe like having more of an athletic background you have a little bit more experience with this but like I don't know what happens to me when people are explaining to me how to do something uh, especially something like physical you know somebody's explaining to me like how to do something with power tools like whatever it is mm-hmm. it's like I hear what they say and I can like understand the words but I can't put it together with what I'm supposed to do yeah and so you know the those first yeah. couple times of like trying to like understand what people are saying and and actually complete the movements it's yeah it's rough but like once you get through that I don't know like I the first time I went, I saw a guy on Reddit say that your first class, the first 30 minutes are going to be miserable. And then it's going to be like the, the most fun you've ever had. And that was totally true for me. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, it's pretty similar to me as soon as like, cause when I started, it was literally just like learning how to step 
like first is like footwork, just like stepping forwards, like, le- mm-hmm. like learning how to stand and then stepping and pretty much for the whole first week, maybe. So it was a little longer than a half hour for me, but yeah, like that's generally the case. I'd say for me, like as soon as I was able to get over the initial pain when you like start kicking stuff, um, because like, if you've never kicked before, like your legs, your shin bones, like aren't, or the nerves in your shins, like aren't used to kicking at all. And like, it kind of hurts. Oh yeah. But like pretty, a lot quicker than I would have imagined, like the nerves in your feet, in your legs trying to get numb to it. Mm-hmm. And so like by the end of that very first week for me, like I was able to kick a bag without really feeling any pain. And like, as soon as you kind of, those nerve endings get deadened, then it's kind of smooth, smoother sailing from there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, do you, like, what would you tell somebody if they were thinking about going to their first martial arts class? Just because I, you know, we're both talking about our experiences and what you said back at the beginning about how you, you thought eventually you'd want to do a martial art. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably tons of people who feel that way, you know, and they, they're trying to like work up the courage to go. I mean, I don't know if any of them are listening to the show, but if there are, like, what would you say to somebody? Just go. Like you got eventually you just gotta you just gotta go and like like I just said, like you gotta be comfortable being the stupidest person in the room for a while. And uh but just like soak up the because the thing about a martial arts community or like any gym, like it's such a tight-knit community and like everyone there wants you to get better and like they want you to have a good experience because like we all share this with anything, like same with like writers, like we have this common bond, like we love to write. Same with martial arts, like if you're going to a Muay Thai gym, like the common bond you have everyone with everyone there is that you all love to do Muay Thai and they want to have someone else new come into the community and like share this thing that they love so much. And so I think realizing, cause it is tough at first to realize that like these people are there, they're not out to get you and they're not laughing at you. Like if like, cause my coach is like, he'd kind of be laughing like when I didn't know how to kick <laughs> cause like for him it's so basic. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like as long as you're willing to be the dumbest person in the room and just like willing to learn, um, step by step and it is going to take some time but yeah the best advice I can give is just like to go for it because you're never gonna know if you don't go and uh, yeah like worst case scenario you you go for one session you hate it and you never do it again and at that point at least you know but I'd say like more often than not I mean I've never heard of someone who's gone to just one martial arts class hated it and never went again like pretty much everyone you hear like they fall in love with it pretty soon and start going back yeah for sure no I think that's perfect Actually, you you literally echoed the thing that made me go because I was watching uh, Demetrius Johnson's mm-hmm. Instagram story. He's you know, very, very 20, 20 something guy thing to do. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> watching DJ's Instagram story. And he, <laughs> he said, uh, he was like answering a question somebody gave him and they were like, you know, I really want to start uh, learning jujitsu, but I'm, I'm nervous. Like, what's your advice? And he, he said exactly what you said. He was like, just go. Yeah. 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 Um, one last thing I wanted to ask you, you know, I'm always kind of interested in like when people start a new project in public, like they start a literary magazine, um, you know, start podcasts, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you, uh, wish you would have known before you started it that you know now? Um, that's a good question. I'd say that people are more willing to help you out than you might realize as long as you're willing to ask for help. Because I felt for the first little while, um, I felt like I was starting clinch, like I was completely alone and I had no idea what I was doing. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about like the word 
WordPress support chat, like even just them, like they're like, you get, you generally get a sense that they like want to help you. I like, obviously that's their job is to help you and like figure out these issues, but just like feeling like you're not alone, that there's people out there who like want you to succeed, which for me, the twin bill, which is a baseball um, literary magazine, they were, that's where I got my first piece published, the pancake mind trials. And uh, they were super helpful. Like as soon as I announced on Twitter, like I started the clinch uh, Twitter, they reached out to me and they're like, if you need any help with anything, like we're here to help you because like we know how tough it can be. And yeah, like just having them as a resource, even if you're not necessarily using those resources, just like knowing that you have them in your back pocket in case. And that like, just that other people want you to succeed and they're here for you as support. That was been super beneficial. Do you feel like the same kind of thing for you when you started this podcast? Yeah, I was really surprised at how gracious people would be when I would ask them to be on it. Yeah. You know, like I think generally speaking, a good rule of thumb is like, if somebody is uh, working in this world, they're probably, you know, they're probably going to be a pretty decent human being. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I can't say that that's true 100% across the board, but all the people that I've had interactions with, they're pretty stoked when you reach out to them and, and want to engage with whatever it is that they're doing. You know, I mean, sure. I think especially for like the world that we're in, where like writing essays or stories, you know, there's, there's not, a, there's not like a million places to help you along the way, you know? And so yeah. I think anybody yeah. who, who, um, who's doing that, yeah, you're usually pretty excited to engage with them and see what they're doing and collaborate. Yeah, just because the idea that there's other people out there who like the same things as you and are doing the same things as you, like that just feels supportive in itself. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just helps that feeling of, because like, I mean, any kind of art, especially writing, like it's such a lonely task. <laughs> like you're just sitting alone in your room, like in silence. Like for me, it needs to be silent. Like I have this really specific practice and like, it's just you in the page and like whatever comes out, comes out. And there's something really intimate about that, but also like kind of lonely. And so, yeah, yeah. just like, speaking to other people that are also writers um, just makes it the whole thing feel more worthwhile. Yeah. That's kind of why I wanted to do this show in the first place was because for me, it was so exciting to realize there were people who were doing writing in the same way that I was mm -hmm. where like, you know, they were at the time that I started, I, I'm, I wasn't in school like I am now, but you know, there were people who were writing who didn't have like the infrastructure of an academic um, institution and they were just kind of like doing it at work or like after work or you know some of them had kids or, or mm -hmm. relationships and that was so cool to realize like you said that there are other people that were doing the same thing so yeah, yeah. and that like even if you have a completely different life or different background as someone else like you have this one thing in common that you both love to write and like just even if that's the one thing you have in common with someone that's kind of all it takes a spark to create conversation which is that's why I think you doing this podcast is super honorable because like it's you're just finding this shared connection that you have with people from completely different walks of life which is oh. that's that's so great no oh, thanks man i really appreciate that i mean yeah getting to talk to people about their work and like you said just people who are doing the same type of thing it's i don't know it's so cool and it's cool yeah. to have like friends in different parts of the country too like people that i've mm -hmm. never met in person that i now like talk to regularly that's awesome yeah you're building a network yeah. And yeah like you're going to be able to go back to like all these different archives in like five years from now and be like, damn, like you're having really great conversations with these people. And like you said, like it's, you're just building such a great network of people of completely different walks of life from all across the country, which 
is a special thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's for, for me, that's like the best part about it. You know, I think, I think this podcast would probably be a little bigger if I would do more like marketing stuff and I would like, you know, I don't know, like I've seen some people make like clips of their show and put it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. But for me, like, that's not really why I'm doing it. I just, I just want to talk to people and see what they're yeah. working on and, and have cool conversations. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, whatever you want to get out of it, you want to get out of it. And I think there's something to be said for sticking with it. Like you said, you wanted to give up a couple of times, but you didn't like, obviously not because you're still doing it. Um, and like, that's the only way to get better at something and like to keep improving your product is like to stick with it and keep doing it. Like for me, for Clench, yeah. like I know that I don't exactly know how yet, but I know that issue two is going to be better than our first issue um, just because like I'm learning how to do this a little bit better each time. And like, I'm sure it's the same for you. Like with each podcast, you're learning how to do it a little bit better each time. And then, like I just said, in a few years, you're going to look back on where you are then compared to where you are now. And it's like, oh my God, it's such an incredible difference. And I'm so grateful that I stuck with it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's like exactly what we were saying about go to a martial arts class, working on something like this, you know, you just start and keep going. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all there is to it. And I would imagine it's going to be the same thing with you, with the authors that you're publishing, like, mm -hmm. you know, you can get to see where their careers go and like other places yeah. they publish. And that's, I'm sure that's going to be super rewarding too. Yeah. That, that it already has been, I think, um, just like getting to meet these people and like getting to edit some of their work for them and just how grateful people are. Um, that they have this platform now and just like, yeah, just like being able to show that you care, like the same way that I was saying that I needed support from other people, being that support system for other people in their art has been really fulfilling in itself. And like, that's just reason enough to keep going with it because like, it just feels really good to be supporting other people's art and what they love to do and showcasing that for the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something I think getting older, I've just noticed is like one of the most rewarding parts of life is like giving attention to the other the things that other people are doing mm -hmm. and um yeah like I don't know like we were saying before just realizing like there's other perspectives other than your own I, I think that's yeah just the doing that just for the sake of it can be so rewarding mm -hmm. yeah just the idea of giving rather than receiving all the time like there's, yeah like even just the idea of like I used to always like as a kid, like you love receiving gifts, but you don't really think so much about giving gifts, like come Christmas time or like your parents' birthdays or something. But, like as you get older, you realize the value of like how good it feels to like give someone a gift that you actually put thought into. Yes. Like that kind of like I feel like as for a lot of people, as you get older, um, that becomes more rewarding than receiving the gifts, like mm -hmm. giving them to other people, which is similar to like any artistic practice too yeah for sure for sure I was a couple episodes back I, I was talking to Claire Hopple about how like I, I think writing letters can be really cool for that reason like it's mm -hmm. yeah yeah you, that's a great example yeah yeah you, you know putting thought into something and, and giving to somebody else but um anyway no man it's been great getting to talk to you um yeah. I'm really excited to see what happens next with with your magazine and again the the first issue is great I, I really enjoyed getting to read through some of the pieces and um i i guess for the last question uh what have you been reading lately that you're enjoying oh um i'm glad you asked i'm reading right now i'm reading ask and it is given and thank you by the way for all that those kind of words and this has been really great franco like thanks for having me on um but i'm reading ask and it is given right now by esther and jerry hicks which is it's pretty much all about manifestation um because I'm, I'm really spiritual in that way like realizing that like you can pretty much 
do anything that you set your mind on as long as you're like putting that intention forth into the world then it's going to like come back to you um and so yeah i'm reading asking it is given about manifestation which has been really great and then i think i'm going to read a hanif abdurakib essay collection next which i'm really looking forward to as well nice what was the name of that writer uh, hanif abdurakib okay he does a lot of um writing about like black performance mm. like he has a whole essay collection about like um just like black performers whether it's like musicians he does a lot of writing about like music um and just like culture and stuff so yeah he's, he's a really great writer awesome yeah no, that sounds good and um where can people find you all, all your stuff online where do people go yeah so my instagram and twitter are grant young um, but the, the A in Grant is switched into a V. So it's G-R-V-N-T-Y-O-U-N-G. And then I'm actually building a website right now um, that'll be out maybe by the time this, this is released. And at least by the end of sometime in June, probably like early June, uh, my website will be out, which will be grant-young.com. And so, yeah, you can find me on there. And then also clinchlit.com. Um, that's Clinch, my literary magazine, all about martial arts. So if anyone listening, they have any some creative writing or visual art uh, relating to any martial arts form, go ahead and send it my way and we'll uh, see if it gets published in issue two. If you ever want to like email or chat more about like some of the spiritual stuff you're reading, that's, that's super cool. I, um, I have not really talked about that stuff on here, but I'm really into some of that stuff too. Great. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. It was kind of spooky that you've been. Oh, no, I was saying I'm, I'm like really into that stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of spooky that you mentioned like the manifestation stuff because I've been like, my uh, my mother in law sent me this this thing and I was like reading it the last couple of weeks and kind of like, it's one of those things I think I believe in but I've kind of been, like not letting myself believe in if that makes sure. sense. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like <laughs> it was kind of funny that you mentioned that because that's just something I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah, that's another sign for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, it, have you read anything cool in that realm lately? Yeah, um, one of my favorite books of all time is called The Celestine Prophecy. Okay. That's like, if you, like, that's kind of like the whole idea of like, not necessarily manifestation, but like everything happens for a reason. And like, we're all, have you ever read The uh, the Alchemist by Paolo Coelho? Yeah. It's, it's similar to The Alchemist, but it's a little bit more like detailed. Um, where like, we're all like on this path, like we all have our journey um, and mm -hmm. it's all kind of been written for us, but like, the idea that like the journey itself is the actual like there isn't like the destination isn't the means to an end that it's like the destination itself is like what brings meaning into your life so it's kind of similar to that so yeah celestine prophecies is really great um the surrender experiment by i forget who it's by i think singer something singer maybe um that's just the idea that like things are going to come into your life and that like you're like these opportunities and all these things and as long as you're like willing to receive them and like open your spiritual self up to um receiving them then like these opportunities are going to keep coming to you and as long as you surrender yourself to them and like keep saying yes to like these opportunities as they arise like regardless of whether you want to do it or not then like all these great things are gonna come to you that you deserve oh yeah no that sounds great i've been yeah I've been kind of like out of that stuff for a minute, but I've been trying to get back into it. Do you know Krishnamurti? No, I don't. Oh, he's he's great if you like reading that kind of. What is thing. it, Chris? What? 
Krishna Murti. I got like, Murti. I have all this stuff like right here. There's like two books by him right here. I got this. This one is really good. Um, it's called The Urgency of Change. Oh, you know, I think, yeah, I've, I've, I haven't read him, but I've definitely seen, I've heard of that book before. Oh, right on. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. He's just like, his, his thing was kind of interesting because he was, uh, do you know about theosophy? No. It was just this like weird esoteric, I guess like religion, more like a cult that kind of showed up in the 70s. Okay. And they, they found him when he was like super young and they had this weird like prophecy about how he was going to be basically like the next Messiah, but they called it like the world teacher. And so they grabbed him when he was like super young and he was like, I don't know anything about this, but like, I'm super poor. And like, if you guys take care of me and my brother, I'll be whatever yeah. you want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but then like when he was older, he had this like experience where his brother actually ended up dying and he like realized that philosophy or theosophy was like you know crazy and he he didn't want anything to do with it so he but he just like spent the rest of his life traveling around and like giving talks and teaching about you know I guess just like the the more like universal principles that came from it and also mm -hmm. stuff from like Buddhism and Hinduism and stuff and I love his work it's like super practical yeah I'll check it out Krishnamurti yeah yeah he's got like a gazillion books for sure yeah I'll check that out Thank awesome you. yeah yeah i wrote yours down too i'm gonna to check that out as well but um yeah man thanks for doing this i really appreciate it it was yeah thanks it was for having me on, that was yeah that was really fun